podcast audience, what's up? This life ain't for everybody. Chad Belding here. I'm fired up. Had a good workout this morning. We're talking fitness on today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody with my good buddy Rob Knatzer, my personal trainer, Sierra Strength and Speed, Reno, Nevada. Been working out with Rob for a little over a year, and he's he's just an awesome person, an awesome human being, and an unbelievable athletic trainer. Understands the body, the mind, the process, the nutrition. Um, we just we I like to dive into like what makes us each tick. Why do we quit exercising? Why are you, why do we get sore? Why do we slow down as we get older of going to the gym? What does it take to stay energetic? What does it take to stay passionate about fitness and nutrition and exercise and stretching and strength and explosiveness and quick twitch muscles? And I don't want to quick jump, quit jump roping. I don't want to quit doing box jumps or pull-ups or abs or core balance or um i just want to get into it with rob and that's what we talk about today and obviously our our title sponsor jack daniels is bringing you another episode and we do enjoy jack daniels please enjoy it responsibly never allow underage drinking the original tennessee sour mash whiskey after workouts it's okay to have a couple fingers of jack daniels and relax at night everything in moderation never overdoing it thank you jack daniels for another unbelievable episode with my man rob canatzer today's episode of this life ain't for everybody is also brought to you by our friends at sig sour the one and only freedom the just the push they have for freedom and equality and our rights in second amendment rights of gun ownership and concealed carry education confidence understanding that we need to protect our families our dwellings our residences our homes our abodes our communities i love the handguns that sig sour is producing on a daily basis the work they do with our military our first responders police officers fire department you name it sig sour has a handgun for you to get confident with, train with it, be educated with the process, understand your magazines, your sights, your breathing, your heart rate, what happens when your heart rate goes up and controlling your breathing, your positioning, your hand positioning, your grip. It can all be found online at SigSour.com. You can visit their headquarters for the Sig Sour experience. We are true believers in the Sig Sour brand, their message, their culture, and we are truly honored to be part of the Sig Sour family. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is coming at you. I'm fired up. I want to get some veins coming out of my biceps. I want to have a stronger core. I want to have a nice abdomen for the beach. I want to look good in a swimsuit. We all do. We all have vanity. Don't act like you don't. We don't want to look in the mirror and want to throw up. This is Rob. This is Sierra Strength and Speed. This Life Ain't For Everybody. Chad Belding. I hope you all enjoy. You got your notes? Poundy day. You know, although I did almost, I, I put something on my phone and then I did almost bring the article that has Andrews in it, but I think we're good. Andrews, the surgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is, uh, what he was famous for what? Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Refining Tommy John. Really? Yeah. And then Job came after him or vice Job versa. Was, Job was first. So Frank Job was the master of it. And then Andrews mm-hmm. kind of refined it. Yeah. It, it was Andrews East coast. East Coast. Yep. You Joe got it. was West Coast. Yep. Dodgers yep. guy. Yep. Yep. So what does that have to do with today's discussion? We're talking about what? We were talking about kids, raising kids, developing kids. Some mistakes Not that were made. Crazy with kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are what are some of the things that parents could key in on of are 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 we rushing? I guess one of the first things that mindset mind, you know, 
questions I have is, are we, do we rush our kids mm -hmm. to, to try to get them an advantage or uh, to be cutting edge or give them the upper hand on the rest of the kids out there? I mean, we taking chances of letting the fun go away. We're taking chances of prematurity, the spinal cords not developed, the muscles. I mean, there's all the sorts of these thoughts I have yep. that it seems to me that a lot of parents I watch in new sports are just gung ho about getting their kids to the next level. When in reality, they're, they're they might want to pump the brakes a little bit. Yep. Skipping the process, right? Sometimes it's about enjoying the process. I mean, you know, if we, if we looked at your field, we don't want to shoot the the 300 yard shot we gotta start easy and start you know working our game so forget the three-pointer let's work on the fundamentals let's work on some movement how do we dribble the ball forget the three-point shot or beyond the three-point arc let's do the fundamentals the things that are going to really work and and grow as we grow so i think that's where the problem is so that's kind of analogy of the process of sports to where you know in today's age it's very specialized in a lot of ways. If you play yep. baseball, there's year round baseball, there's travel teams, there's, there's workouts before it was like, all right, go try basketball, go try football, go try baseball, go try, you know, like I wish I'd have done different things. I wish I would have maybe done more gymnastics early to get more flexibility in my, and in, in more core strength, maybe. Um, sure. But again, you never know the outcome of that. Like when you're playing baseball, you're so geared and torqued up on baseball that gymnastics doesn't even cross your mind you just want to hit hit the ball right. and learn the fundamentals of baseball but i right. think other sports can teach you or get your body ready to be like there's a lot of great football players or baseball players that are latino based that have a soccer background that right. have great footwork and great core strength and great balance right totally um let's just start with this um football is it smart to play football as a kid <laughs> i knew we were gonna go here <laughs> so you well, know did you see that did you see the guy that just got the the quarterback for miami dolphins or whatever that just keeps getting crushed sure and is his head gonna be okay when he's 60 years old is he gonna have a clear That's, thought process i don't know like he's just keeps, he just keeps getting crushed who knows yeah i mean it, it goes way back right and 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 i think if you looked you and i talk about this subject a lot right because i think there's as many overuse injuries in some of these sports because of the year-round aspect that a kid's shoulder or elbow could be ruined for life where he can't even play with his kids. And yes, there's that possibility with football too, but you know, it, it all depends on the sport. Each sport, I always tell pe people, each sport has its inherent risk. And part of the problem with these uh, year-round sports is we work the same pattern over and over, and so there's no cross-training, right? Cross-training is a big word for doing lots of different movements. When we work that one pattern over and over, so say in basketball, it's jumper's knees or Achilles tendon that just gets overworked. In football, we worry about the head. You know, it, it can only take one hit. You know, there's that. It's a collision sport versus a contact sport. And some of these hits that we see in college sports or pro sports are like, you know, like a car wreck. It's it's two guys going 20 miles at each other and and ending up at a dead stop. So the forces and the trauma on the head can be traumatic, very. Um, and some of this we're, we're just learning about, right? I mean, the, the concussion protocol from when I worked uh, professional football 30 years ago has changed tremendously in 25 years and, and the way we deal with head injuries. And so there's, we're still learning about the head. So there are some of those things, but, um, 
you know, each sport has its risks and, and walking across the street has a risk, right? You know, so being in a car has its risks. So um, knowing those risks, they're working on padding and that. So to answer your question, um, you know, I don't know about it for, for the really young kids, but if you go watch a, a group of fifth graders play, it doesn't look like college football, right? So the tackles are age appropriate for the most part. And every once in a while, you got the 150 pound kid who, lays on a 75 pound kid it probably doesn't feel very good but for the most part that sport is a little slower than it is when we're watching college or professional sport and we see some of those hits but but it's still conditioning them to get to the point of taking it to that next level for example i was with a guy yesterday that's a basketball coach in napa there's their junior shooting guard is the quarterback Mm -hmm. three weeks ago takes an offside pet tackle he's looking right to the short side of the field, here comes the linebacker or a guard or a D end from the other side. The mentality of this hit is to crush the quarterback. Sure, he breaks his femur and his tibula, turns his leg 180 degrees to where his foot. He's on his stomach and his foot's. And they thought he broke his ankle, gotcha. but that, then it was his entire leg that was yeah. turned backwards. So the doctor says 12 weeks. Well, he's going to miss his entire year of basketball. Yeah, he may. My opinion, I mean, I, I understand that medical has advanced huge and surgeries mm-hmm. have advanced and hardware. And like we talked about Andrews or Job, the surgeons are, you know, keyed in now, but he'll never be the same. In my opinion, like, I don't think you can come back and be like, oh yeah, my joints are there. My hips are there. My bones are back. Maybe you can, but mm-hmm. like that only happens in football, that hit. Um, yeah. Now basketball, you can come down lame on an ankle. You could break a leg. I'm not saying sure. you can't, but the mentality of that football player was to crush that quarterback. You yeah. watch the NFL now. There's calls all the time to protect the quarterback and heading and targeting and all this stuff to where it's like not even close to where when Jim Brown was running the football sure. back in the day. I understand there's protocol being taken, precautionary measurements mm-hmm. being taken, but still it's such a stupid sport. <laughs> it's so it's so injury like not I understand wear and tear injuries in basketball and baseball mm-hmm. in 162 game season. Yeah. But to get crushed like that yeah. And have those parents in the stand see their son down there on the. I know they signed up for it. Yep. I yep. get the mentality, but the mentality of that defensive end or that linebacker was to kill that quarterback. Yeah. There's no other that, sport and, in the world like that, except maybe what rugby, no, maybe a little bit in no. hockey, UFC, boxing, which, which I watch well, combat sports, I, right, combat right, sports. Right, right. Which football's I watch not will. a combat sport. You're not it, in a mono a mono collision ring. sport. So I know, it's, but it's like it's you, he similar. didn't even in, in, in MMA. You you're mono mono. You know that your guy's out in front of you. Sure, you might get caught with a head kick because you didn't train for that head kick, or he might fake yeah. a left and go up top. You're right. This quarterback had no idea what was getting ready to happen. But what's to him. that guy's intention? It's no different. His intentions to knock 100%, his ass 100%, out. <laughs> right. Hundred percent. So, so there are those sports, and and you know because you have some of those buddies in that arena, right? You have to train to take a hit. You have to prepare to take a hit. So all their training goes up to that. And most of these guys, similar to the NFL, when they go into a fight, they're not 100%. So I just end up, we were sitting at a bar. So I saw the one this weekend, the guy had had his shoulder coming in and out. He fought seven minutes without his, you know, with his shoulder out and did a pretty good job. He knew he was, was, was going into the ring with that issue. So... You know, again, football is the same way. It's that collision, repetitive. And some of these guys do a, do a great job of fighting off injury because they're training. Some of them get hurt in training, right, to play. So 
again, it, it just goes back to the inherent risk of the sport. You could be going out, you know, on a hunt and step something funny and break your ankle, break, you know. But I'm not going to have some guy coming from my no, backside and crush no, my femur. Of course not. So it, but, the, the, but doing the, what you love doing, there's a risk, right? If you're yeah. if you're mountain biking, are we conditioned to love football when we shouldn't be? Our our theme of today's conversation okay. is mistakes, and I want to say mistakes parents make in their, in the young careers or the the beginning of a, of an athletic career. Is it a mistake for parents to make having their child play football at too early of an age? See, I I still have to. I go with the no, and and I'll just throw this out. For example, I got a cousin who who was a pretty damn good baseball player. He's got two kids, and he was doing flag football. They did flag football forever. Now his son's sixth grade. They decided to play football this year. He just decided to play. He's having a great experience. It's all been good. Um, I didn't think he'd go this way until maybe in high school. Maybe the kid would want to dabble with with football. He's having a great experience. So. Hasn't had an issue now. Could he get an issue? Could, could he get an injury? Yeah, for sure. I personally didn't play football, and I was, we talked about it before, I was an okay athlete. I didn't play till high school. Um, thought I was totally prepared at that point, but I wasn't great at tackling and doing some of those fundamentals because I hadn't really learned them yet. And, uh, you know, again, it depends on the coaching at that point. I I, I feel like um, maybe I could have used a little bit more work on that side to be more proficient with the tackling. You know, we just kind of jumped into it. I didn't have any background with it. Uh, I played four years, knock on wood, no major injuries. Again, I was okay. Um, you know, had a couple of close calls in terms of knees or, or ankles being stuck on the ground. Um, but again, with what I've been doing over the last 30 years, I've seen a couple of really bad injuries on the football field. Uh, definitely worse than you're going to see anywhere else. But I've seen some runners, Chad, who have run themselves into the ground and probably are dealing with injuries from their college days in their 40s and 50s just because of the overuse and daily trauma that they put themselves through. Okay, so your answer to the first one is no. No. Okay. Well, that's an argument that is up in the air of, you know, even neurosurgeons I've heard mm-hmm. talk about the day that they would let their son play tackle yep. football and the age it would be or the appropriate timing to let them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff I've seen or heard and witnessed is it's t- you're too young and not developed to tackle somebody, mm-hmm. your neck, your head, your, your, even when you're being taught form, their ability to learn it and, 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 and execute a proper tackle. But the mindset, though, that's still that mindset of that quarterback at a 16 or 17 years old looking right yeah. and being absolutely destroyed athletically yeah. for months, if not years, if not a lifetime, that he might ever not ever be able to pivot off that left leg again out on the hardwood. True. That's my point is like in baseball, I understand you could get hit by a pitch. Mm-hmm. It's few mm-hmm. and far between. Yeah. You know, the head hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a, 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 a hit by pitch that's going to end a career, break mm-hmm. a bone, mm-hmm. could scare you, could intimidate yep. you. But there's guys that have, Corky Miller, you can probably remember that name, catcher mm-hmm. for UNR, led the NCAAs two years in a row for hit by pitch, set the record at UNR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people are, 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 they can do that. But I just keep thinking about that kid looking right, taking that shot, and then the mentality of that kid coming to do that to him. Yep. That's the weird part to me is that this kid is looking 
to do that to him. Now, right. did he feel bad? Both bones were out out of the skin. Probably did. Both no, they were. They were both out of the skin, lower yeah. and upper leg. Gotcha. The mindset of that kid going in there and hitting him that hard is what football is intended to do. That's what we're taught. <laughs> Crush that dude. Even today, when you're in a bar or a living room full of these crazy ass fanatic football fans, okay, they get pissed off when the quarterback doesn't get crushed. They get mad when the referee calls targeting. It's almost like, wait a minute. We yeah. want these guys to win games. We want Aaron Rodgers to be there for the long term to sign another sure. $50 million a year contract. You want, you're dressed in all this Green Bay Packers shit, but when the other quarterback gets hit and you get a, fl a flagrant foul called on you, you almost get up in arms and calling him a pansy and mad at the referees, but you don't want that happening to Aaron Rodgers. Sure. You don't want your golden ticket to be hurt. It's almost like there's this two-edged sword. Like, well, do, we, do we want these guys to have long careers and be okay, or do we want them getting happen what, what happened to this kid in, in California? Where he may never be the same. Yeah, and and to me, where that's a different subject, right? You get you get a room full of the guys, and and they they're going to take the guy's head off until it's you know whatever. But I think that's that's the football uh, football mentality, Rob. But it's also the boxing UFC. You always mentality. go until the whistle. Sure, you always now, go until the whistle. Now here's but UFC. Here's, you see, you have a referee that's trained. As soon as that man's in trouble, they're 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 yeah, quick but, to call a fight. Yeah, but you watch the ground and pound. I mean, these guys are getting turned to hamburger on some of these. Hundred percent, but they see it coming. Well, they know, sure, this. sure. In football, I, in football, your you, mindset is to crush no. somebody. Now, now, some of these coaches I've been around say, will tell the guys, "Hey, when you step on that field, things as you know it can change." I mean, they're taught this; they know this. That's part of the battle of football. So, if if you know if you're in that world, if you're in that realm. You know that that's a chance. You may never leave that field the same way you entered it. So that's part of that. And these guys know it. Now, going back to your thing, I've seen a couple of basketball players come down just, you know, by themselves, nobody around, nobody's not falling on a foot and come down and break their femur, right? Sure. Now, to them, that may be as traumatic, which, which when you're dealing with an injury, Chad, not only are you dealing with the physical part of that person, it's the mental part, you know? So, so you take a guy like, and you probably remember these guys, but Rod Woodson after he tore his ACL or Jerry Rice after they tore their ACL, they came back and it took them a full another year. So they both came back pretty early in the process, but you could just tell they weren't ready. Well, they were ready physically, but mentally to go back to that game and plant and cut on that leg takes another year. So you're, you're looking at, just, you know, the mental side of preparation and getting back to that. And so this basketball kid that I'm referring may take a couple of years because he never expected to break his leg playing hoops, right? He's like, I've been playing hoops since I was 10. This shouldn't so, happen wait, to me. So you, are you saying the mentality of that de defensive end or linebacker was not to take that quarterback's head off? At the point, sure. But that's and, not, and, but that doesn't happen in basketball. Probably, that's he, not, a, that's not the mentality in basketball though. It can be. There's there's some there's mm. some of those centers and and that yeah, like, but, this guy ain't coming into my key. He if he comes in here, I'm taking him out. Yeah, you but you're it, not right? gonna you're not gonna have the no, you're not gonna have not, the you're not, not gonna have the point to. guard fly in there and dehead him. Not trying but to head him, I guess. <laughs> not him. trying to. But there are times where they're like going up for a a nice easy layup, and the guy's taking him out at the head and shoulders, you know. And you're like, that guy's gonna come down from a eight foot level, and he's probably not gonna land very safely. You know, it's not like he's going in there and protecting him every once in a while, but sometimes those guys are 
going so after So your answer the is no, person. you would not your answer is no that it's okay. It's not okay or it's okay to to let your kids play football early as long as do, do the parents stay involved and they make sure the coaches know what they're doing? Like do you There's no, it is gets there strong it gets protocol really tricky there. there. There's you know, they're trying to teach every coach probably has the best intentions, right? I mean, yeah, they want to win. But I I'm talking about all the way down to this third grade level, right? They want to win. Hopefully most coaches are there to help the kids have a good experience, play everybody equally. I'm talking about that third grade level. Teach them as much about the game as possible so that they like it and keep playing. But we see in some of these year-round sports, I've I've dealt with a couple of coaches that are flat-out morons. Now there's there's no testing before they become a coach. Who knows how they parent their own kids, and now they're going to coach yours. If there's 10 kids on the team, are they all getting equal play at third grade? They should be. Some of them are like, I'm going to play my kid the whole game. I mean, I remember, I think we've had this conversation, Chad. I've, I've got one kid who played a lot of baseball. There were kids in his age group where the parents were coaches. I didn't coach my kid in baseball. The parents were coaches. Most of the parents' kids were pitchers. Sometimes the kids, when they weren't pitching, were catching. And I know of a handful of kids, and this is, he's 25 now, so this would be 10 years ago, um, that I know of four kids who had elbow surgery and shoulder surgery before they were out of high school. I think it's because of the way they were coached or brought up through Overuse that, through, and wrong overuse mechanic. Overuse. Should and be play. throwing a slider at 12 yep, years old. Yep, yep. So You're not so developed enough. Those parents were coaches and they were doing maybe more harm to their own kids in that situation because they wanted their kid to be the stud, you know, and play maybe a couple extra innings, throw a few extra pitches. And you could see when the kid, again, going back to it's not just physical, right? You could see mental and physical. You could see when the kid was tired, fatigued. What do you think? To me, when I'm watching the game, I think some of the problems is when a kid gets tired, he's not hitting spots. What's he going to do? I think half the time he throws harder. Yeah, he's he, to throw in harder. his head. He's like, I got to throw harder. Plus, he's using other parts of his body to compensate. Yep, and and probably changing his mechanics, not very doing much so. very good. Now all of a sudden, we're really but the wind is at the top of the mind. So instead of Sometimes thinking about that kid's future, yep. So where do you? We have this mentality in America. This is not a participation sport. We breed champions. When we see that whole mentality or ideology, there's a point. There's a point. Now, there's this is what point. I want to discuss in parenting. These are the mistakes parents make. Okay. Yep. And I'm not saying that I know. I'm, I'm discussing yeah, yeah, yeah. this with you. Well, you see it. The mentality is we breed champions. I like what you just said. At third grade, we can deem somebody a champion and we can teach sure, the art of can, losing and the art of oh, winning and how to do both. Hey, you, you and I both know you learn more when you lose than failure. Than when we you, can do it's that. It's all good. But where the problem lies is what you just alluded to. We don't go after that third grade championship by playing all the studs. No. We give equal playing time. We don't try to teach this kid that might not be as fit or as gifted or as talented or as strong or whatever it is that he's not going to that he's not part of this winning team. We don't mm -hmm. do that at that age. No. I think if you can win the championship by balancing that and saying all of you are going to play and we're going to we're going to show teamwork, we're going to show 
how we come together with the same right mental attitude, the right RMA, um, all of the things that go into executing a team sport like basketball or baseball or mm -hmm. football or even wrestling. When you're out on the mat, yep. you're an individual. I get, but there's a lot of team that goes into that first and a lot of sure. coaching. So I think that awareness of the the awareness of participation, letting them play, yep, is 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 what it needs to happen. Yep, keeping the fun in there, but also. You can deem a champion. You can have sure. a third grade champion and teaching oh, yeah. these guys, hey, next year our team has a chance to do that now. That's right. But we're all going to still play together as a team. Right. Where do we mess up now at that level of living through our kids vicariously to where we got to win? Like, there's a lot of competitiveness out there that starts early. I've seen it all the way from seventh grade basketball mm -hmm. all the yeah. way through when does we got to figure out when does it start? Like, when you go to high school now, it's the best of the best. You might not automatically make the team yeah. anymore. Even in seventh yeah. grade, you don't automatically make the team. Right. So I guess 12-year-old baseball mm -hmm. is the last year that you're automatically put on a team, but you don't automatically make the All-Stars. Right. 14, 13 and 14, you automatically make a team in Babe Ruth, right? But you don't automatically make the All-Star team. Sure, team. sure. Now you get into high school ball at 15 and a half, 16-year-old, you're not even you guaranteed might. a spot right. on that team anymore. So there's sure. all these different levels yep. that your kid's guaranteed a spot. Yep. My question to you, Rob, is as as parents and because all the all the coaches are volunteer parents, right. right? When do we say it's all about the participation and the chance to play and become better at these lower levels? Do you cut them off at seventh grade when they're twelve and a half, thirteen year olds, and say, "Hey, you might make the team, but you're not going to play every inning, or you're not going to have a, a get into every game." When is that right? When is that okay to do? Because it's not until you're 15 or 16 year olds and your mm -hmm. freshman year high school to where you get cut from a, a baseball team. Right. Seventh grade, you can get cut from a basketball team. When yeah. do we start teaching kids that, hey, you might be on the team, but you're not going to play every day? You know what I'm trying to get, yep. get out here? Yep. Yep. When, when, is, so, when is this deemed okay? So probably one of the best things I saw, and, and this was at a real golf conference, and the European model of basically how you progress kids through the process is really good. But really, we shouldn't even be playing many games until fourth or fifth grade, right? Because it's all about learning the sport itself. You know, and, and some of these kids are going to tournaments and playing three games in a day. And really, at that age, it should just be, you know, do we need a score, you know, necessarily? Let's, let's play this game and, and work through it. Sixth, seventh grade, yeah, now you're starting some competitions, some scoring, that kind of stuff. And I, and I do think at seventh grade, you need to know, hey, if there's 30 kids trying out for this team and they're only taking 17 or whatever the number might be, you could get cut, right? And, and that's why in middle school, a lot of times they'll have two teams. They're, they're trying to get everybody the reps, right? You're trying to field a team and, and, and hopefully there it's still going. By high school, now we're starting to get into some serious competition, right? And that's the way it should be. It should be serious and you might not make the team and you need to know where those parameters are and you could get cut. And of course, we know there's politics in that and they, you know, maybe don't take the best 10. You know, sometimes you get cut. Shit, getting cut from JV basketball was the best thing for me. I started working on other things. I knew I wasn't a good basketball player. So to me, that was like, hey, that you're right. I shouldn't have made that team. Time for me to work on other things. Get better at, at what sport I do play. So... I think sometimes where a parent comes in wrong, and maybe I'm not answering this question right, is they're like, oh, Billy should have made that team. And then you go watch the team, you're like, 
No, don't tell Billy he should have made the team. Billy should exactly. not have made that team. You know, exactly. it's it's like he needs to know there's a, a certain level here. And this is like where we get into life. This is good. This hey, sometimes the best thing is to fail. You really want to play basketball, then you better raise your level, right? You got you got a lot of things you can work on. I think what happens early on, and and you see it because you like baseball. You go to a baseball game early, you go watch the outfielders, they're working on fundamentals. They're skipping, hopping, jumping, working side to side. They're doing a great warm-up, right? We skip that in high school baseball because we're all about competition. They need fundamentals. That's my problem with some of these year-round sports is like, hey, work on the fundamentals. For example, I, I really don't like the year-round baseball here in town because a lot of times they'll play more games between their high school season, which they finish in May, right? They make it through the playoffs, go right into summer. Some of these guys are playing as many games as minor leaguers. They're 17, 18. These minor leaguers, minor leaguers are grown men, right? Their bodies are different. They don't have school. They don't have some of that stuff. Why is a kid playing 80 games between February and August? To me, that's stupid. In the summer, you should be working on fundamentals. Play a few games on the weekends, but work on the basics. You don't need to, you don't need to play eight games in a week. You're, you're not minor leagues. You're not getting paid. So that's where we start to get a little cray-cray or these kids are going over the hill to play basketball and playing eight games on a Saturday and Sunday. You think you're playing a really good game in that eighth game? No, it's, it's a horrible game. That's where you break down. That's where you get injured. That's where stupid things happen. Let's play two games. Let's, let's go down for a day. Let's play two legit games. One, one in the morning, we go eat lunch. We come back for a second game after we get a nice warm-up in. What more are you going to get out of playing eight games of hoops? Besides exhaustion I mean, and injury. Yeah. They haven't eaten right. They didn't sleep worth crap. They had to get up early. Are they playing at their top? Hell no. So are they getting better, Chad? No. Or are they getting worse? No. They're playing at 80%. They're getting worse. Yeah. When you play a game, you want to play at a high level. That's how you get better. 100%. You play at 75% because you're so freaking tired, you're getting worse. That's where we have problems. There's got to be some kind of um, education process because it it, go, it comes full circle. Like you mentioned getting cut from a JV team. Well, I did two in seventh grade. Um, crushed me because I thought I was a good left-handed dribbler. My my sport was baseball, but there's no competitive baseball in middle school, yep. at least not in Nevada. Yeah. Um, it's, well, there, there it's wasn't. Red. <laughs> is there now? Well, now it's year round. It's year but round. I'm talking about for the school. You had wrestling, you had track, right. you had basketball. Right. Um, mm. But now here I come full circle with an 11 year old daughter that says her goal is to be a D1 volleyball player. Okay. And I'm sitting here now mentally preparing myself, talking to guys like you, talking to Fred Dallimore, um, and thinking back how my mom and dad were and how much it hurts your soul to see your kids go through failure. Mm hmm. There's, there's got to be a way to, to educate them on this process. So what I do, not knowing if it's right or wrong, and I've told okay. you this, is that I talk to my daughter about my failure. She doesn't know how many home runs I hit my, my, my senior year of high school over the short 287-foot porch at McQueen High School with the wind blowing out of the Northwest, <laughs> you know? I mean, I just get it up in the air, go to the fence, I try around the bases, I thought I was a home run hitter. I wasn't. I was just, I was lucky to have that short porch, getting the ball up in the air with the wind. But I teach her about that day I walked into the gym when Coach Burkett cut me and Paul Mastriani cut me at Clayton Middle School. I talked to her about what I went through, about like questioning it, my mom and dad getting so upset, mm -hmm. 
but in reality, I wasn't good enough to be on the team. I tell my daughter, yep. I tell her about how I went to D1 college to play baseball and how I got cut from that and how I was told that I wasn't good enough to play D1 co- collegiate baseball. I try to educate her on now I, that those, those failures and those obstacles and lessons in life propelled me, which failure is not supposed to propel you. And that's the, that's the ticket to it is how can failure propel you into a better part of life? And I think that parents look at it like, I'm not going to be able to accept failure again. I've got to stay on that kid. I got to push him or her harder. I got like, I went to you said, Hey, she's 11. She's about to turn 12. Mm -hmm. When should she start doing core? When do I start thinking about the competitiveness of this to where it's not just, Oh, out there messing around with your friends volleying Mm -hmm. anymore. Like if you really have take the steps of saying, I want to be a, the division one collegiate volleyball player, mm-hmm. which is very hard to do. Yep. There's not many girls on each team. I don't even right. know how many schools have programs. Right. I need to look into all this, right? Yeah. But through social media, through YouTube, mm-hmm. you can, you know, and I don't let her be on that yet, but now yeah. I start looking at the stuff like, man, a lot of these D1 athletes have their own pages. They're yeah. showcasing this lifestyle of how great college sports are for women. Um, the guys are doing it too. Now we even can be paid as college athletes yep. and sponsored. Yep. yep. How do you go in there and take my failures or your failures as a parent? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go in there and be like, Alyssa, get down and give me 20. You better spike yeah. that ball hard. I don't want to be that parent in the audience screaming loud when the referee makes a, a mistake. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I want to stay even killed. I want to, uh, I want her to enjoy this for what mm-hmm. it is and the competitiveness of it and the team and the spirit and the culture and the cheers and the high fives, the, yeah. all of the stuff that goes into it. Yeah. But I keep thinking ahead, Rob, like, man, if she gets cut from a team in high school, how are we going to handle that? You don't want to think about that, but no. that those things have to be sought out yep. and, and thought about of like, how is that going to make her better in life and yep. make her better as a competitor? And how does she even have a chance to come back and make it her sophomore year? Right. If she gets cut her freshman year. These are all the questions Which, I ask myself. Right. And as a parent, are we prepared for that? And I look back at my failures and how many times I was cut and now what it got me in life of mm-hmm. how to accept failure. And like Michael Jordan's favorite quote, you can't win until you fail. Right. All that mentality is, I don't know if parents are looking at it that way and, and they push too hard yeah. because they don't want that failure to happen. Oh my God. If he gets cut. Oh my God. If he doesn't make the all-stars. Oh my God. If he doesn't get a D one at a full ride scholarship, this hall has been a failure. Right. This all has been for nothing. That's not right. the case. That we got to learn this as parents. Right. We got to learn this. So, so let me do two things here. So this is from that article. Right? Reality I'll just, check. I'll just read it. Reality check. Think your baseball phenom has what it takes to play in the majors? The odds are staggering. Nine million approximate number of boys playing in organized leagues. 9,700 number of players on D1's college baseball teams. 7,500 players in the minor leagues. 829 in the majors, 29% of whom are foreign born. So there's a reality check, right? So the ultimate thing for me, and, and you know, it's, it's different if you talk to a sports psychologist, because we all look at things different. To me, sports are a lot like life. So it's all about training. We learn more from our failures a lot of times than we do from our successes. So we have to take it in stride, right? At 11, for me with a kid, I'll go back to I guess as a parent, I, I did an okay job, right? I, I helped raise two, but I was part of five kids all, all along. So seven kids. 
out of my five, two played in college. One played Division three basketball, and my daughter played Division two soccer. So I got lucky. Now, I didn't bring them into the weight room much because what I wanted to do, Chad, I wanted them to want it for themselves. That was just my philosophy. Right or wrong, who knows? But I was like, if you want to get better, these are the things that have to occur. You need to work on yourself. I wasn't going to drag them into the weight room. I'm like, if you like your sport enough, you need to take an interest in it and do some things. And so they started to come to me after a period of time, and we started to work on different aspects. And then I would try. I really didn't coach much. I coached a little bit of basketball, which I don't know crap about, but that was just because they needed some parents. So had some good luck with my kids doing that. Um, but really, and when it got into them being more of a single sport athlete, that's when I kind of stepped in and said, okay, here's the deal. You can do that, which that didn't happen until they were more sophomores in high school. I said, you can do that, but if you start to break down, I own you. So I, I told them, you better roll, you better get your sleep, you better eat right, you better be hydrated. So for me, it goes back to things we've talked about. You get your basics down because those need to be there all the time. You can't just hydrate day of the game and think you're going to be ready. That takes, that's a constant, right? You can't just sleep good one night and think you're going to be good to go. You, that's a constant. So there were certain things that were constants. I just told them if they started to break down because they were playing one sport, they were mine because I was going to do the rehab and get them back to normal. So I wanted them to work on their own because I was going to pull them out of their sport if they had any issues for about three or four weeks and get them back on track. And luckily, they did pretty good at learning how to foam roll, learning how to take care of themselves, you know, staying on pace to do what they wanted to do. And when did that take place to where you saw that that acceptance and that ownership of those Pretty protocols more high school so so more that high school it's like age, early probably, high school uh yeah pretty pretty early so my one son who, who was pretty into his sport got told by one of my guys he better shoot ten thousand shots that summer and he ended up shooting he set an alarm he was just he's that one of those kids he set an alarm he was out of bed by 7 30 and he was starting to shoot he ended up shooting fifteen thousand shots you know over the course of the summer or, or something crazy, you know, because he was just shooting 100 shots a day, 200 shots a day. So he did that. I think that was his eighth grade year. Uh, same with my daughter, more like freshman year when they started doing the rolling, the recovery stuff. So there's a, there's a time and a place. And I do, I do like the training. I like working with our young athletes. You saw me play with your daughter a little bit. A lot of it's fundamentals, right? We're not training them per se to get stronger on a bench press or that we want to work movement skills uh injury prevention techniques some stretching some movement uh some coordination agility footwork those are all the basics that we got to work on before we start to get into the specialized part of the sport if you had to guess let's stick with women's volleyball if you had to guess um the Olympians, the ones that go to that level, mm -hmm. when do you think they started? Do you think it's about the same that they got into the, to eighth grade and started doing a thousand sets or well, were they, were they like got gifted at five years old and then they grew to be six foot one and, and they just had all this talent or yeah. did some of these girls start later and, 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 and when they're more established and developed. Yeah. So let me hit that two ways or just take you and ours girl volleyball team if you yeah. know that better no i i i think that you get a mix right chad you get some girls who probably started playing volleyball at six you know their parents were into volleyball they started playing early 
and they just went the whole course. Um, we've had a couple of the, I don't know how they phrase it at, at volleyball, but we've had a couple of girls that qualified for early stuff and we're doing stuff early um, and are both playing right now at the college level. Um, different positions and, and different things. One girl, girl is extremely tall and lengthy and pretty good. Um, and they have been sold. These two, for example, have been sold volleyball. I think on the flip side of that, you get some girls who are playing other sports and get really good at another sport and transition over and play some volleyball and can go. Now, would they be Olympic qualifiers? Maybe not, but could they play D1? Probably. I think the, the, to to kind of put it into something that we see more on a daily basis, for example, you look at the College World Series, you look at those pitchers in the call or sorry, Little League World Series, those those young guys. I think there's been one pitcher from from the Little League World Series who actually pitched in the majors. So most of the pitchers who do really well in the majors were outfielders or playing different positions and move into a pitching role as the age hit college and, and go that way. So, so I, I think there are several routes and I just read this one the other day, just uh, because I knew we were going to talk about it. There's a little thing on Roger Federer um, and I only read part of it, but I guess he came from a multi-sport background. So most athletes usually have a better wide range when they do multiple sports. You know, we could talk about Tiger Woods for a minute and, and he was golf only, uh, golf only, and a freak, right? He, he was amazing. He he did some things that that were unbelievable, but his body broke down. He had back injuries. He ended up with knee injuries, and and maybe it's because he was so strong and powerful and, and overused those areas. You know, I mean, he could drive the ball. You don't think it was distance, because his right? ex-wife beat the heck out of him? Well, that's a was different injury. Those were those were different. The two iron. I think that yeah, was after. Yeah, he was a freak. That was after the back. He was a freak. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, it shows you how awesome Nicholas was to get those masters, or I mean, right. all those majors. Right. And I thought for sure Tiger would have wiped that record off the face of the earth. Yeah. And he's he was heading he got that close. Way. Heading that I think way. He's feels short, isn't he? Yep. He'll never win another one, probably. I don't think you so. You can never but, say never with Tiger. But he but, was, but he it looked like he was going to break those records by what. 42 44 and then all of a sudden he, he started to break down you know so it's he was always pretty big in the shoulders and the chest he was big he was built well, like Dion sanders remember those remember those pictures that everybody thought Dion was a runt yeah. and then he would show his shoulders and they would think he had shoulder pads on but i mean he had yeah. developed pectoral like he was big up top yeah. Yeah. bigger than we thought and yeah. so was tiger yep so i wonder if tiger you know to, that's a great case of the pushing of parents and yeah, how right, how right. how obsessed they were with this kid yeah going to the next level to where I don't even I don't even know what the relationship in life is I don't even know if he really understood socializing by probably. the time he got to college probably not you know out of college and there's there's an argument to be made about that also about you know Tiger got in this position to where. It was golf, 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 golf. There was never any girls. This might sound ludicrous to some people, but no. this is the way my mind no, thinks. I know where you're going. Golf, 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 golf. No girlfriend, no girlfriend, no girlfriend, no girlfriend. No social. Then all of a, no yeah. social life. Then all of a sudden, he gets a girlfriend, marries it, but he still is making up for lost time in a way. Probably. To where he didn't understand all of how many people really were like interested in him because he was always 
pulled out of that scenario. Yeah. There was never any of that socialization process yeah. right. that he got in there and he's like, oh my gosh. And he got right. pulled in all these different directions, made mistakes. Right. When in reality, he should have been making those mistakes when he was 16, 17. Probably. He just never had a chance he, he to would, do it. Yeah. That that's that's an argument there. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but well, I would guess that there, there's something that to be said about his childhood yeah. prompted him. And then people would be like, no, you never cheat on your wife. I agree. Yeah. You don't do that. But 51% of divorces end, and a lot of them are because of infidelity. Sure. Well, maybe if, if Tiger Woods was trained a little bit on that or educate a little bit on that instead yeah. of just how to hit a short game or a long game or a dog would let dog leg left. Maybe those social problems would have happened, which is another part of this conversation, Rob, that socialization is a huge part. Yeah. When you go yeah. into the gym and I mean this, I saw this last week, leaving your gym because your gym is connected to a volleyball gym. Yep. I saw a girl sitting by herself group over here, eight of them. Hey, <laughs> caddy. What's going on on this? Did you do this? You got, I, I'm not eavesdropping. I don't right, know what the hell right. we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. But this girl's sitting by herself and I'm like, gosh, damn, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Like that broke my heart. Like that's who I was in, in middle school was over in this group of what's going on. We're listening to Sir Mix a lot and getting ready for the field trip to Lake Tahoe and Todd Kreis is doing this, Floyd and Wade's doing this and da 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 da. Um, I wasn't as popular as those guys, but I still got involved. I was still part of it. Yeah. I looked at that girl and I'm like, I want to educate my daughter to go over and get her and make sure she feels part mm -hmm. of the team yeah. because it could easily be the other way, Alyssa. Yeah. You could be the one sitting over there on your own. And I don't yeah. want that for you. I want you to experience this, yeah. experience the friendships, the socializing, the, the involvement, the incorporation, mm -hmm. the feeling of being desired to be around, you mm -hmm. know, like that's a big part of it. So I went to Alyssa and I'm like, I want you to include these people. You be the one that steps up and brings everybody together. That's more important to me than you learning how to, you know, be the best spiker right now, per se. You're right. not even tall enough to really spike. You're learning it. But man, that broke my heart to yeah. see that girl sitting by herself when these girls are over here and they could have very easily involved her. Yeah. That's a big learning yeah. curve, too. In this argument, yeah. it's like parents have to understand that that's going on in sports, it's, too. Right. No, I, I. You bring up a good point. You know, we 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 hopefully try and spot those things. Right. And keep everybody neutral and and it's really tricky right now with the phone but that's one of the things i talked to some of the coaches about i'm like i'm like hey we can tell these girls are struggling right now because it isn't just sport right it's the social it's school it's homework it's so there's a lot of things going on and i think sometimes when these coaches get into competition after competition we're forgetting the whole person right and so so sometimes it's their stress levels high they didn't have a great game. All of a sudden, they're they are injured or they're breaking down, and and it's this downhill spiral. And hopefully, if you're around it enough, you see these things and you can intervene a little bit. But there's some of that stuff that's that that is on these young ladies and young guys' minds. You know, they're they're trying to fit in. They're trying to be part of a group. They they want to be part of that team. And and it's there's a lot of variables going on. It's a pretty tricky situation for them. Yeah, I'd like to, I would like to get into like a current day situation of, I would like to get a mindset study or a psychological study done on Bryce Harper's ability to communicate, his ability to friend, his ability to husband, his ability to aunt and uncle, his ability to father. All these questions, Ray, come up in my mind when I watch what's going on in this man's life right now to where he was brought to Philadelphia to do exactly what he did this last few days. Yep. Now the Philadelphia Phillies are going to the World Series 2022 against the Astros. 
which is another amazing deal. Like six worlds, five worlds, four world series in six years, maybe crazy. Some of it was thought deemed cheating, but who knows? It's freaking unreal to see this. Um, the Yankees are supposed to be the team that's doing that, not the Houston Astros. And the I remember going to Minute Maid Park and there was like six people in there with me <laughs> 10 years ago. But Bryce Harper was another Tiger Woods story to where he was taken out of high school yeah. to play traveling ball, to be able to go to junior college to be eligible for the draft because he wasn't eligible for the draft out of high school because he, he did not graduate or he didn't even play his senior year in high school. Yeah. He got taken out, yeah. went to Sierra Nevada Community College got his GED to go there, didn't get a high school diploma, got a GED to go to Sierra Nevada Community College, did not graduate from there, got drafted in the first round mm -hmm. by the Nationals, yep. I believe. Yeah, I think so. Two-time MVP, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, mm -hmm. married, seems happy. So it's like this, this dichotomy of like, yeah. Yeah. his dad took a big chance. Most people would have looked at his dad like, are you an asshole? You're taking your kid out of school to where he doesn't have friends. He's not going to be able to socialize anymore. Mm -hmm. He's not. Look at where he's at now. Yeah. So my, my yeah. study would be, is he held back academically? Is he held back intelligent wise? Is he held back his ability to communicate? Is he held back in any way of, of small group, you know, friends? Is he mm -hmm. a good teammate? Is he a good friend? Like there's all these studies that could go into like, his upbringing of yeah. how he got to where he is. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a crazy story. Yeah. You're coming out of high school. Yeah. What? You're not going to graduate high school. Yeah. You're going to get a GED. You're going to go to the school. I know you're going to be a first round draft. His dad took all these chances. Yeah. Because of how good of a, he was a catcher at the time. Yep. Right now he's an outfielder yep. hitting bombs from the left side of the plate. He's a, is he a left-handed thrower? No, he's right-handed thrower. Right. He's a right-handed thrower because he's yeah. a catcher. But that's another study of, yeah. of parents taking, a different road that would probably deemed be deemed ignorant. Yeah. And, and, and he's a, he's an outcast, right? He's a freak. You, you know, I mean, even I, I remember when he was in high school, I know some of the kids who played it against him, he was good. You knew he was going to be good, but, um, and it's tricky. Who knows what was going through his dad mind. It's kind of like the tennis schools. A lot of times with these tennis schools, cause there, there aren't any, well, there is now in Vegas, there is, but kids will be get pulled out and shipped away to Florida to go to a tennis school because, you know, they can do the schooling and play tennis before school and blah, blah, blah. But I would say the percentage of those kids who make it to an elite level is still an astronomical number, right? You know, you get probably 100,000 of those kids that are going to tennis camp and maybe two out of those 100,000 are going to make it to that level. So, you know, Harper would be one of those that's, that's not a normal stat, right? We consider those guys freaks when they, when they get there like that. Yeah, and, and there's, there's a lot of stories of that. Like there, I think there's a high school basketball, a ba or a high school that's just geared towards basketball in mm -hmm. Vegas now, right? Yep. That a rich guy started, yep. and it's kind of like a farm program yep. for some colleges. I don't yep. know if it's UNLV yep. or where, but I don't know. Like that, that, that whole argument of goes back to what we talked about of when is enough enough of pushing the kid too hard to elevate them in a game of the stats that you just read. Mm -hmm. I, I thought for sure I'd get drafted in baseball. I was nowhere near what I thought I was. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the mindset, my, my positive mindset yeah. wasn't, it didn't let me down when I didn't go. I don't even remember when I got done with my baseball playing career. I think I played one season of city softball and I couldn't handle that. It made me want baseball too much. So I quit that. Yeah. 
hundred percent hit a lot of bombs too, Rob. Lots of bombs <laughs> out of out of Shadow Mountain. Um with the wind, of course. With the wind, of course, and a short porch and right. Uh I hit a couple oppo bombs though on that. I'd let the ball get deep. <laughs> um but like that that's a that's a big part of of sports, the message of sports and the message of parent. I want to come back with part two of this because there's a lot more to talk about, but it's setting you up for life. Mm-hmm. Sports are so much bigger. Competitiveness is so much bigger mm-hmm. competition, I should say, than just that time in your life. Mm-hmm. I look back at McQueen being part of those two state championship teams, our sophomore and senior year in football and Ken Dalton coaching mm-hmm. us. And now he's gone. Yep. What was it all for? What was all that stress, yeah, all that time away from family, the coaches, the, the, true, the yelling at people but, like, but look at, look at how many young men, he, that's and, what I was going into women. He infected, he, he, he inspired. He, and and he I helped. think, you know, you own your own business. You, you own several Chad. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the, and not every person out there who runs their own business or that was an athlete or did a sport. But I think if you are around sports at all or people who play sports, you see the daily, you know, you have certain things you do on the daily, the routine, the the basics that have to get done every day. And I, being from that background, feel that sports is a great driver. And, Dude, and I, as long and as you I do what you think, just said in reality. Yeah. You yeah. have to keep it real. You do. And, and. Yeah. And 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 hoping to get drafted, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with that. that. Yeah, but, but it's it, how you accept. If you're not. the 20th guy on the team out of 23, the, the chances probably aren't there. Now, now, there's no reason not to work towards it, right? I mean, the, some of these some of these guys oh, I did. Who, I, I mean, did every day. You're Kurt Warner, right? He's he. You know where'd he come from, right? And then all of a sudden he played a little uh, arena ball, and they spot him, and he gets gets the boot to go to. You know, so there are some guys who develop late and all of a sudden their arm strength and, and their arm speed or whatever is better and they come along. But so there's nothing wrong with that. You've got to have a drive and a goal, but, but knowing that that isn't it for I, you. you know, and, and, and that's I, the thing is that I would never go into a situation of being like, you have to hear my story. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot to be said with the story that when my baseball coach, who's 78 years old now in college, comes to my house consistently and I go to his and his wife's house consistently. And he tells me that I'm one of his favorites, which could be bullshit, but he's very sentimental about it. Mm-hmm. And he says, if I would have had a hundred of you in my career, it mm-hmm. would have been a lot better off yeah. coaching, but I wasn't good enough at that time to play for the man. Sure. And he told me the biggest recruiting mistake he ever made. He actually said those words to an 18 year old kid after he signed me. So I have a Jersey. I've showed you the video. Mm-hmm. It's being framed right now that I just did with coach, my coach that says, my the biggest recruiting mistake I ever made because those words will never I'll never forget that right and then my story goes to where now I'm friends with that man I've learned so much from him what he was going through at that time in his career right in his 40s and trying to make a living and win games and yeah. become part of the Hall of Fame and yeah. he was already an NCAA Hall of Fame pitcher from UNR and 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 all yeah. this I I look back at like well what was he going for he cut me because he had to win he's at college yeah. his, his his livelihood and his income and revenue are based on his winning percentage right this isn't the this isn't high school ball anymore right so i look at that then i also look at the fact that that perseverance of not giving up and going down a level and becoming a junior college all-american mm-hmm. and winning a championship then going to d2 baseball and becoming an all-american and being in the top 10 and hitting and mm-hmm. going to the d2 world series in alabama 
and, and playing in the D2 World Series. I did all this through a career based on failure, right. based on coming out of an okay program in our area, mm-hmm. not getting to play year round because of the snow and the weather. Yep. Going to a warm area and thinking I was going to light the world on fire because I had a great career with the Carson Capitals. Hit the hell out of the ball. Played great against up against great competition. Then went to college D1 and just got my ass kicked. Not wasn't even close to being good enough. I looked at these players from LA and Phoenix and Texas and I'm like, good God. Right. What have these freaking monsters been doing? Right. All we cared about where I went was football. All we wore was our letterman jacket. If we didn't have a football patch on it, we were nothing. Yeah. Nobody cared about our baseball. <laughs> Nobody did. So now I look at it like the story goes through failure. Mm-hmm. I hunt with George Brett. I hunt with Will Clark. Not bragging, but mm-hmm. not in a million years after I failed at baseball would I think I'd be friends with all these baseball players. The moral of the story is you never know right. what failure can bring you. Perseverance, that, that attitude not to give up. It's not done through ignorance. I didn't sit there and become a lifelong guy going to independent ball thinking that I was going to get drafted somewhere. Right. If you do, that's fine. Yeah. But I, I said, you know what? I'm not good enough. I accepted it. Yeah. I accepted my level of greatness in baseball, whatever that was. <laughs> and I took that mentality that I was never going to be anybody's recruiting mistake ever again. I was going to be my own. I was going to set my own path based on those words. And that story is why I wanted to have this conversation of like, I don't want my daughter to fail. It will kill me. When I saw that girl sitting by herself the other day, it killed me. Mm-hmm. Like the sentimental part of sports kill me. Yeah. When you yeah, see yeah. the Yankees fail at the level they did the other night and what their ownership grew and what Brett Boone's gonna, or what Aaron Boone's going to take on now and what the fans are saying about them. You don't want that for anybody. Right. But you look at the Astros and you're like, God, everybody deserves to have that feeling once in a while. Right. But then you look at the Phillies and they're happy as hell right now. Well, who's going to win the World Series? And then they're going to they're going to face a level of failure that they've right. never faced when whoever loses that is. Yep. They're going to have to accept that failure at that level. Right. Even though they just had this these levels of exuberation and excitement and winning that very few human beings ever reach. Right. And now all of a sudden they got to be taught to lose again next week. Yeah. They could get swept in four. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they got to go, oh my God, I got to be a loser again. I'm a loser. Yeah. Second place is just the first loser. Right. I'm not a World Series champion. How do they accept that? That's what I learned to accept a long time ago. And I'm like, all right, I could get in business. I'm going to lose too. I'm going to get my ass kicked daily. And I have. Yep. But that, that story of being the biggest recruiting mistake that man ever made has driven me through life Mm -hmm. to where now I have it written on a Jersey in a shadow box. Cause that is the, that is, that is the quote that I live by my whole life. I'm never going to be anybody else's recruiting mistake. Yep. Cause I couldn't stomach it. I was like, F you, man. Right. I ain't some mistake. Right. But he called me a mistake. Right. And that hit me in the gut. And now we're best friends. Right. Which is, which is nice because that doesn't always happen that way. Right. No. I mean, and, and like you said, coaching's not easy. Right. You know, so some of these coaches don't say the right thing. I, I hear things all the time. Unfortunately, at some of the lower levels and you're like, they said, what? You know, so it can be traumatic. I mean, traumatic. some of these coaches... You know, hopefully if they're working with our 11, 12, 13 year olds, they're not going to say everything right, but hopefully they don't do something that turns them off forever. You know, hopefully but he they saw do some, something he saw that, something that he knew. He knew. Sure. He looked he, at me and goes, motivated you. he goes, you're not, you're not Matt Williams. You're not Donovan Osborne. Yeah. You suck. You're not a D one baseball player. Instead yeah. of wasting his time with me, 
he did me a favor. Right. He said, go somewhere where you can play. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. That's what I look up to the man for. Yeah. He could have very easily kept me there to keep the GPA up, maybe, because I got a 3.85. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty intelligent book-wise. He didn't do it. He said, go play. Yeah. You're not going to take up a roster spot here. One, it is not going to do any good for my livelihood in the spirit of this team. You're a great guy. I love your work ethic, but you suck. Yeah. Go play over there and develop your skills more. Your skills aren't anywhere near where they need to be. Yeah. So I went and did that. Still wasn't good enough to go to the next level. On my refrigerator had, I am one of the best 1,275 um, college baseball, high school baseball players in the country, which was what was eligible for the draft. Gotcha. This was pre-COVID, obviously. Um, I wasn't. I didn't get drafted. Got talked to by two cross-checkers. They both tell me my arm strength sucked. <laughs> they both had all had, it was like they copycatted each other's critique of me. They came to watch me play, and I wasn't good enough. And I think about all that, Rob, of watching my daughter go into your gym now. And what is going to come of her through, because so many kids are in competitive sports. What are we really trying to get out of competitive sports when so few of us make it to the ultimate level? So few of us. Hopefully it's what we just talked about, right? Some life skills that last them forever. You know, hopefully they get the right coaches that give them some life skills, teach them competition, winning, losing, life skills. Because if you think about it, band is a competition too. Sure. You might say, I'm not going to play sports and I'm going <laughs> sure. into drama. Sure. Well, I just got back from Broadway in New York city. There's That's a thousand cool. waiters and waitresses in New York city that never made it on Broadway. Right. That still can sing their ass off. You go, how did you not make it? Right. You go to Nashville right now. Every bar is full of people that want to be Garth Brooks or Morgan Wallen. Right. Very few of them make it. Right. So it's everything yep. is based on those early days of winning yep. and losing and accepting failure or accepting how to win. Yep. Because here's, here's the other thing that I want to get in next time is those champions that were 12 year old all-star champions mm-hmm. or little league world series champions. Mm-hmm. The percentage of those kids that ever made it in the pros yep. are minuscule. It's small minuscule. Right. So where are they now? They should do behind the scenes of that, like, I know one. one of them became an actor. I think one of them was in Goon. Some movie, really? the third, the big third baseman, the big redheaded third uh-huh. baseman, remember? Yeah. But where are they now? Yeah. What, what did winning at a young age and being a World Series champion at 12 really achieve for those kids? Yeah. Did they go on to become champions in life? Are they raising great families? Are they an asset to their communities? Right. Or did, did, it, did it make them dip when they didn't go to the next level because they were a champion at such a young age on yeah. national TV? Right talking to national broadcasters that interviewed Tom Maddox and or Mike, uh, Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin of the Braves. Yeah. They were the same guys doing the world series commentating that we're doing the little league world series, Carl yep. Ravage, Harold Reynolds. Right. Right. Are we, are we breeding these guys to be able to accept failure when they go to 13 year old and they don't become shit? Right. That's the question. That's a good question. It's, it's a crazy mindset of like, wait, I won at 12. What am I, I ready again? F- yeah. What if, what if I never win again? <laughs> It's right. like being a hunter and you go out and you kill a huge bucket 12 and then the next year you don't even get drawn. And then the next year after that, you don't see anything but fork and horns because it's a drought. Right. Then the next time you go out, you kill a three point for me. Right. Did you spend your wad on that big buck that first year? And now the rest of your hunting career, you can never match up to it. Right. It's a mindset. Yep. It's all about learning how to f- accept failure. Yep. Cause if you can't and turn that into something positive, that's really what sports are to me. Yep. It truly is. Yep. Joey Gilbert, a great, great study of taking something that 
did not turn into the boxing career he did, but his last big fight was that St. Valentine's Day massacre against Brinkley yeah. in downtown Reno. Had all the hometown crowd there. It was huge. Yep. He was on the contender with Sylvester Stallone. Yep. Now he owns several successful businesses. He's a successful attorney. He ran for God, doing all this stuff. He's created a mindset of, I'm not going to fail. Yeah. And he's creating champions daily, in my opinion. His daughter is a jiu-jitsu and tennis phenom, but he doesn't push her. He lets her, lets it come to her. I remember the day he introduced her to jiu-jitsu. I was in the class and all of a sudden she's just like, I love this. Yeah. He didn't force her to become a combat fighter. She just fell in love with it. And I think that he's doing it. That's another great study that study that he never got to where he wanted to as a fighter. Gotcha. Even though he was a three-time or four-time NCAA champion yep. for UNR. Right. But he never got to the professional ranks like he thought he would. As far as being like the, 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 the Muhammad Ali or the right. Sugar Ray Leonard style, you know, of, of becoming that big in that sport. Right. But he championed it into other areas of life. And I think that that's the message. And I don't know if like most motivational speakers aren't ex-athletes. I would think they would be. There's a lot. I would, I would think say, that they would, I would be. say most of them probably are. Yeah. Tony Robbins? I don't know about him. We got to find out. I don't know. I don't know if he's even motivational. <laughs> I don't either. He's scam artist. Never seen him. <laughs> never have. you never been to one? I have. Never been to one? Nope. So what's the moral of the story then? Well, I think our finish there was... was more on the psychological side of sports, right? Let them, let them, let them enjoy it. At your daughter's age, they got to enjoy it. And get, get, be, in, include everybody. You don't have to be best friends with all of them, but if they're there, do your best to include the others in, in the, in the, the camaraderie. The, the, the socializing, the, the memorable part of it, those girls and boys at that age, I, I may never forget how good it felt to be in a locker room of champion yeah. football players, even though I sucked. Right. I sucked. But God, to hear those speeches at halftime, to have that Gatorade in your hand and dumping it on the coach after you win the state championship. I wasn't an all-league football player, but I was a state champion yeah. for a minute. Yeah. But I knew dang well I wasn't Jerry Rice. Right. I, I, it, but it did other things it's, for it's me. It's totally different. But my dad, I bet you sat in those stands and just wanted to be like, what the? I want my kid out there playing more. I want him hit tackling better. I want him catching the ball. I was scared probably. Yeah. I was probably right. scared back right. then of football. Some of it wasn't the coach, right? Some no. of it, some of it's not the coach. Some of it's people ask me that one a lot. Well, how do I make him more aggressive? I'm like, they got to want it. <laughs> right. I wasn't, a, right. I wasn't, I was a baseball player. Right. Right. I'd see a baseball. That was, that was your sport, right? Yeah, you didn't want to hit somebody. It's it's all good. You just got to find your niche. Yeah, and being thinking back, like I formed so many memories and 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 life lessons in that football locker room. Even though I look down on football now, as far as the I broke my tailbone, I messed up my collarbone, I tore my rotator cuff, did all this shit because I wasn't qualified to be doing the things I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready for it. And I didn't have the mentality of it going yep. in there. Todd Karaisa could tackle a building and not get hurt. Yeah. Dan Avancino could run through a freaking brick wall and crush you with no elbow pad. These guys didn't wear elbow pads back in the day. They didn't, they didn't tape their wrists. They didn't do any of this shit. <laughs> right. They just played. Yep. No, I'm not kidding. They were yep. tougher than I've ever seen right. in my life. Yeah. But knowing that toughness and witnessing it helped me become mentally tougher. Yep. Even though I wasn't on their level physically. 
Yeah. It taught me in life, you got to be mentally tough. You have to be able to withstand pain, failure, mm-hmm. resistance, cardio, the, the running the heels. Why in the hell are we doing this? We don't run uphill in football. <laughs> well, then I finally figured it out when it's fourth quarter, when I got to start a few games because we lost a receiver, caught two touchdown passes against Fallon. I'll have you know, Rob. Nice. Uh, um, Fallon. Fallon. It was against Fallon, <laughs> at Fallon. Um, you're winded. You're oh, yeah. winded in football playing oh, both yeah. sides of the ball. Yeah. You get your ass kicked. Yeah. So there's all these, there's all this stuff in sports of like being a parent now. I'm like, man, could I handle having a son right now? I look at my brother and I'm like, if I had a 12 year old son right now, how hard would I be pushing for him to be a major leaguer? And how hurt would I be if he wasn't able to become a better baseball player than I would be? How mm-hmm. are we going to accept this now? So it's come full circle. Yep. Now I got to sit back and be prepared. Yep. To help my daughter when she fails, but to also help myself and be ready to feel that hurt again that I felt in seventh grade. Yeah. When I got cut, I might feel that hurt again. Yep. 30 years later, I might feel it again for being somebody not getting to where they wanted to in sports. But hopefully you're the one that analyzes it and helps her through it. Right. I mean, she's got to prepare her for it. That's right. That's so you've got to help her with it but you can't be the one telling her how to get through it. Right. You're just right. going to help her through it. Help her. Through Cause it. that's, that's where she's got I want to prepare and just be real with her. Yep. I want to be real with her. There's, there's politics in this. Yep. There's favoritism in all this. There's things that are out of your control, babe. Yep. There's, there's things that in, in, in still in life, there's yep. things in life every day that you look at and be like, that wasn't ethical. Right. That's not, I mean, we could go into anything from politics to business to, to anything. Yep there's favoritism in politics and cheating and scandalous stuff going on that yep. you're going to have to be prepared for. Yep. It just sucks that when you're, yeah. Yeah. It sucks when you're that tied to it and you see somebody that you love so much. Mm-hmm. So I think back of how instrumental my mom and dad were to me and how much pain I truly inflicted on them by getting cut and not being good enough. Not that I did it to them on purpose, No, but they felt that, but they were they're Yeah. They yep, felt that they're part of you. And when you're a kid, you don't even realize how much they feel No, until you get full circle. Now you got a kid that's going through that of like, man, if she doesn't play for Yukon or Vanderbilt someday, I'm going to have to talk her off a cliff. No, you yep. just prepare them for that yep. process. Yep. She might go play D2 ball. Right. She might meet the man of her dreams there. She might become a doctor. She might become an entrepreneur. She might open up a door to where she becomes a volunteer for a community risk program. There's all sorts of things that go through totally. your mind. Totally. You just... The, the, the more you can't accept failure, the more do- doors you close on yourself. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Well, and, and I think I'll leave you with this. When, when I've heard people who they look at this 13 year old and they're like, oh man, he's going to, I'm like, look at all the variables. He may, he may not like the sport anymore. Right. Which is the worst thing. He may, he may just totally get out of it. He may not grow anymore. He may, you know, I mean, there's so many variables and these people are like, oh, this 13 year old's going here. It's like, let's hope he does. Let's, let's hope he gets there, but let's not make that his only option as he's growing. Right. That's, you don't just tell him, Hey, you're going to be this. And that's all you're going to be. No, we don't know. There's too many things going on. He might, he might go the other route and be better off, could become a doctor. Who knows? hundred percent. Yep. Sports are our gift and I'm very happy that they're in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, we might've got off track a little bit, but I want, I want to come back with part two of this to talk about 
the parenting part of this and the mentality that goes into mentoring and how it can have the exact opposite effect if we're not careful. Truly, I feel like, I, I truly feel like we can set our kids up for failure if we don't take them down the path of reality. Yeah. And I think that setting it unrealistic goals and living through them because we did not reach our goals mm-hmm. is a huge drawback in this. And I've seen fathers and mothers talk to their kids in sports to where it's made the kids not want to do it anymore. Yeah, oh yeah. And oh, I think yeah. that's the biggest failure that we can have in athletics is doing that. Yep. Is pushing them to the point of, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Your expectations are not even close to what mine are. Right. You're asking way too much of me. You make me feel this big when you talk to me that way or yell and embarrass the shit out of me from the stands, yep. which I've seen so many times. Right. When you yell at the umpire you do the way you do, that reflects on me. Right. Your voice is reflecting on who I am and what I mean to this team and what my coaches think of me. Yep. There's all these mindsets that we go into these things thinking it's about us. It has nothing to do with us. Nope. It has nothing to do with us anymore. Nope. Except the, our ability to embarrass the heck out of ourselves. <laughs> Truly, it happens a lot. Oh, yeah. I see it happen a lot where some oh, yeah. little volunteer umpire gets ridiculed because of a ball strike call. Right. Okay? Wait for the right time. And they're, and they're a 20-year-old kid just trying to... Just trying know. to get into it. Yeah. And we scare the shit out of them right. more than never want to do it again. Really? Well, if he's not volunteering, you're going to get back to an umpire? Right. Can your fat ass even bend down that far or sit, sit in a crouch that long to call balls and strikes? Right. Can you get down the line to call it when the guy's got to go over and rotate the second base? Can you get down the first baseline to see if... Because you don't have one at every base in Little League, bud. Right. You got to cover some ground. So ask yourself these questions. Like, are we doing our job as parents and mentors? Or are we having the exact opposite effect? I don't want to put my daughter in your gym if it's too early. I want to ask you, like, is it too early for her to be going through the fundamentals? I want to talk about this the next time of, like, what are we really doing to our kids if we are trying to fulfill our expectations only? That's the crazy part to me. Yeah. Is it to you or not? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, when I see those parents, drives me nuts. Drives you nuts. Yeah. Drives you nuts. Yeah. And they're probably not doing their kids any benefit. They're not. No. They're not. We can, I want to start with that. And then I want to transition on part two of this discussion of the ability for kids to stay the course of athletics, because I see a lot of kids that get started down the path of athletics mm-hmm. that completely are, are completely fed up with it. Yeah. Whether it's through the parents or whether it's through failure or whether it's that their bodies beat up too much. What, what are, what should be the beginning phases of a, per, a, a, a kid's athletic career? What should they be taught when you go into little league baseball? Is it just about fun or should we be teaching them things to take out of this experience of youth athletics what are what can we be teaching kids when we don't want to be down their throat about becoming a champion that winning is everything what can we take out of it what can we teach these kids and what can they take out of it if if it's not just about having fun out there when you're 10 years old Mm -hmm. i want to know like how can i keep my daughter interested in this without pushing her too hard gotcha you said they got to want it their own yeah well we could very easily push them away from that of wanting it to be their own if we don't take the right steps. Is that fair to say? Totally. So can we talk about that next time of, can we educate parents through this podcast on how to raise an athlete or not? We're going to try. But do you think it's possible? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are there courses for this? 
Is this all self-taught? Because a lot of people don't know how to be an athletic parent. <sighs> They're too involved. Yeah. Is, can, is there a way to teach an athletic parent? Can we start a company that teaches people how to be an athletic parent? Not be an athlete, but how to I be a parent to an athlete. We, I don't know that we get any buyers. Why? Because <laughs> they'd say we're wrong. Really? Yeah. I don't think so. They'd be like, we got to drive that kid. I don't think so. <laughs> there's, don't a, think there's a right way to do it. There is. A right way. To, I, I truly feel that there is. Yeah. High school coaches, little league coaches, Babe Ruth coaches, all the there's different some, coaches that go into this. There's some good ones out there. 100%. Yeah. But are we giving the right message in youth athletics? Depends on the coach. Really does. I'm talking about his parents too. Yeah. And parents. I don't know. I guess I just have a different mindset at it, Rob, of like, there's way more to take out of competition in sports than that, that championship or pushing your kid yeah, the wrong is. direction. There is. And, and I think if you talk to most people that have been in the business for a long time, they would agree. You know, especially the, you know, the Michael Jordan poster, you know, which we used to make kids read all the time. I failed at this. I had, I had this many misses, this, you know, because every sport, every day is going to have its failures, but hopefully there's as many successes there as there is failures and you learn from both. Right. And then you got to get better. Same thing as, you know, I know way more now at 50 than I did at 25. Although I used to run my mouth a lot and think I knew a lot. Um, I've learned a lot more of how to deal with kids and, and a lot of, what we do training wise is how we communicate with them. You know, how we, how we teach them how to do See, stuff. It's that communication. You just said this and I think parents are the same way. Yeah. I think that there's a way, a lesson to learn by me and every other parent that has an athletic son or daughter of the right way to navigate this. Mm -hmm. It's not as easy as it's one might think. Easy. Well, it's parenting is one of the hardest jobs out there, right? It's hurtful. It's, it can be hurtful in sports. Tough. No book. Everyone's different. I got seven of them. Every one of them's different. I can't parent them both, any of them the same way. Right. They're, they're all different. They're all different. So, so same in athletics. We got to think of, you know, we can't coach every kid the same way. Some of them don't learn by doing, they need a little visual first and then they figure it out. You know, there, there's a lot of differences. So you're telling me you it. don't think a seminar series or a business I'm not saying we're going to start it, but you don't think this would, would be a well-attended seminar series on how to parent an athlete? I guess it depends who our audience is, Chad. Every parent that has a kid in sports. Yeah, but some of them. Not, which is 90% of everything. Huh? Some of them think they know everything. Okay, right? then they might not sign up, but the ones that want to learn, don't you think there's, that there's, there's some a valuable good, lessons? a group of who want to learn. Yeah. I was, uh, I was looking at it after your first way where you were, you know, taking the parent who knew everything i'm like they're not signing up for our course they already know well maybe not until they maybe a parent they hear parents talking about it in the stands there you go i don't think it's as easy as people think no it's not to come full circle and then have to accept that failure again when your kid fails yeah i it's just don't not. think so nope we're gonna leave it at that i'm gonna talk to you more about this i think that there's a we'll come back with part two i want you to give it some thought okay of if there is a message here that parents can be taught how to how to raise an athlete I'm going to have to think on that one. I know you are. Yeah. You, you did it. I'm thinking. You raised an athlete. I did. Am I prepared for my daughter to fail? I don't know. Not yet. We're going to work on you. See, you're going to, I'm going to go to a seminar. <laughs> this life ain't for everybody. Rob Knatzer, Sierra Speed and Strength. Did I pronounce it right that time? You did. 
pretty good. Nice huh? work. I'm getting ready Finally. to go train today. My groin is feeling better. A groin injury. Right. Yeah, from sprinting against an 11 year old. <laughs> and I was flying too. To we'll keep be, up. We'll be back with part two. I want you to give this some thought. I want you, you to come it. back with a Deal. whole layout of your new seminar series. <sighs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. This life ain't for everybody. Another episode brought to you. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I understand as parents of athletes, sometimes you might have to have an adult beverage. If it is, enjoy it in moderation. Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Thank you for bringing another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support our podcast, our TV shows, all of our social media and live event initiatives. And thank you so much for the downloads and the subscriptions to all of our podcasts. Brand new episodes available of all of our sister podcasts, Anna V's American Wing Shooting, Jen and Anna's 40 Years to Freedom, Clay, Clinton, Alex, Where the Pavement In, the Foul Life Podcast, and other brand new episodes of right here. This Life Ain't For Everybody. We got tons of music, athletics, military, doctors, a bunch of different diverse guests coming up. Messages. If you want something specifically, email us at info at thislifeaintforeverybody.com. Yeah, that just popped up. Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all. We miss you, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's Everybody's searching for a hero People need someone to look up to I never found anyone who fulfilled my needs A lonely place to be And so I learned